0: Good morning, everyone. Good to be with you. Um, let's pray. Teach us your way, O Lord, that we may walk in your truth and give us undivided hearts to praise your name. For Jesus' sake, amen. Uh, I'm thankful, if a, a little daunted, to be finishing 1 Timothy with you. Thankful because there's so much to be encouraged by. But also a little daunted because uh, it's quite serious Uh, Paul's words are weighty and that's because Paul wants Timothy to know how solemn and rewarding a thing it is to be a minister of the gospel I think in a word Paul is providing perspective perspective that will encourage us to persevere with strength joy and wisdom as we put our hope in God Uh, Paul loved Timothy very much he told the philippian believers that timothy was unique he even said their relationship was so close it's like they shared the same soul Uh, timothy journeyed and ministered with paul he was his companion apprentice and close friend Uh, at the start of this letter paul calls timothy his true child in faith and in his second letter paul calls him his beloved child Uh, timothy is his spiritual son And now paul tells timothy that it's time for him to come of age spiritually time to shoulder the burden of leadership within the church the apprentice must become a workman the student must become a leader and teacher listen to verses 11 to 12 but you o man of god flee from all this and pursue righteousness godliness faith love endurance and gentleness fight the good fight of the faith take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses Uh, for anyone who knew the scriptures these words are resonant the description man of God wasn't handed out lightly but applied to uh, leaders of Israel like Moses who were crucial um, at moments of Israel's history so this is how Paul addresses his spiritual son man of god Timothy is to be a man utterly given to god and his priorities that's the high calling of ministry in the household of god the importance of principled ministry in the church i don't think can be spoken about too often Uh, anything less than godly gospel focused servant leadership isn't acceptable Uh, i think the leadership crisis that is plaguing evangelicals worldwide right now is devastating Uh, someone who grew up close to bronte beach the image that comes to mind is of being plunged underneath the water um, in the surf and just when you think that the church has emerged from a scandal another one comes and plunges it below the water again Uh, but it's not just elsewhere it happens here too Um, this issue touches me personally Uh, two of the most formative christian men In my life, uh, a youth group leader and a formerly ordained minister failed morally. Uh, I was devastated when I heard of their failures. Um, These men whose uh, friendship so influenced and encouraged me. Uh, One of them is no longer a believer uh, and the other is no longer a member of the Anglican Church. Uh, That's why I find passages like this a little daunting, especially as someone who aspires to full-time ministry. Uh, Yet for all its gravity, There's actually much encouragement and hope here. In fact, I think the point of the seriousness is so that we can see how wonderful the encouragement actually is. Because look at verse 12 and verse 19. Paul wants Timothy and the church to take hold of eternal life. There's your perspective, uh, the viewpoint of eternity and life for eternity with God. Uh, In light of which, two special challenges are addressed. Uh, the first is the potential to be uh, disheartened or to deviate from faithful discipleship. Uh, being a Christian's hard work uh, and without reference to the life to come, you can feel rudderless. Uh, the same principle of perspective, I think, applies uh, to the second challenge what to do with wealth as a believer. Uh, Paul's already discussed the negative use of wealth at the start of this chapter and now he offers a positive vision for how it can be used in view of eternal life Uh, this is not a how-to sermon uh, how to get through challenge or how to use wealth it's uh, a perspective shift or at least a reminder towards what is the right perspective and one that brings i hope clarity and refreshment Uh, i want us to look beyond our normal horizons beyond today tomorrow next week uh, next year next 10 years uh, beyond all your years actually um, I want us to look beyond our time itself and to be caught up at least for a moment in a vision of God and of eternal life with God because this is the paradox of Christianity to live wisely now on earth you need to be focused on eternity uh, on the return of Jesus on the transcendence and power of God on eternal life Uh, So that's what we'll do now as we finish this letter. Let's take the first challenge, uh, the challenge of Christian ministry and living. Uh, Most of our time will be spent here. Here's a question to open. Uh, What metaphors uh, come to mind when you think about the life of a believer? Uh, Here's another question. When being a Christian feels hard, do you think that's how it should be or not? Listen to the Apostle Paul in verse 12. Fight, the good fight of the faith. Uh, The metaphor he uses is taken either from the battlefield or from athletics. Uh, But the underlying idea of both is effort and competition against an opponent. Uh, Being a Christian can feel like hard work because it is. Um, That's the image. It's a struggle, but a good struggle leading to life and entailed in this struggle for Timothy at least is fleeing a selfish ungodly ministry and pursuing a ministry of salvation Uh, flee and pursue as I'm sure you know are running words um, and they mean uh, determination is needed so where does the incentive the motivation the drive to do this uh, come from look at verse 12 again take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and when, uh, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And we've been called into eternal life. And this eternal life is both past and future. Uh, Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved right there and then. Uh, Timothy confessed and believed the gospel. And so he was saved. And yet salvation is also ahead of him, waiting for him. And so Paul can urge him to seize the eternal life that lies before him. There's a pastor I know who uh, works in a very tough working class parish on the outskirts of Wollongong. And the testimonies to God's grace coming out of that place are amazing. When this pastor asks people to share their testimony, he always includes this question, what keeps you going as a Christian? Uh, Because in a way, I think that question is just as important as how did you become a Christian? Um, So let me ask all of us, what keeps you going as a Christian? How about this for an answer? Eternal life. Uh, Jesus saved you, Jesus is saving you, and Jesus will save you. When you look to the future, uh, to eternity, what do you see? you see a destination of eternal life with Jesus. There is, as the New Testament says, an eternal weight of glory stored up for us. And this glory more than compensates for all the difficulty we might face being a Christian right now. Here's how um, one hymn writer put it. And when the strife is fierce, the warfare long, steals on the ear the distant triumph song and hearts are brave again. And arms made strong. Alleluia, alleluia. So, can you hear that distant triumph song? Or is it unfamiliar to you? That's only the, the first part of the encouragement. The rest follows in verses 13 to 16. Our reading from verse 13 In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus. Uh, We've already spoken at the start about why a uh, ministry free from spot or blame matters so much. So notice then the encouragements here. God the Father and Jesus his Son are on our side. Uh, Not even death or the fear of death are obstacles to Christian ministry and living. We can't be cut off from god the source of life uh, i wonder if you thought how, how could jesus boldly stand before pontius pilate both to confess the truth and to bear up under accusation in silence because he was god's son well yes but specifically how did he do that with such confidence i think it's because he knew that after he underwent his passion And was put to death and buried he knew that the father would not abandon him to the grave uh, but would raise him up again and in this way Jesus I think is an example for us we can be brave in the face of challenge because our confidence is not in ourselves but in God who raises the dead and this Jesus is returning Uh, the burden of ministry and the struggle of discipleship won't last forever a few people point out that uh, the return of the lord jesus is strong motivation to keep going Uh, i think that's true but i think paul is more interested in emphasizing who's behind that and dwelling on that it's god the father because here is the ultimate perspective shifter uh, a true vision of god himself Uh, he's a profound source of encouragement for tired weary christians almighty god so what's god like I'll pick out just a few points. Firstly, God is said to be blessed. Um, Paul's using what's nakedly a pagan word when applied to God uh, for the polytheistic Greeks and Romans. Only the gods were blessed uh, because they lived on Mount Olympus, free from all the toil and strife of humans below. Um, or as Keats put it here, where men sit and hear each other groan. Uh, but only the one true living God. Is perfectly blessed and undisturbed he's entirely self-sufficient and utterly complete brimful of life and perfection Uh, secondly no one can challenge god Uh, scanning through those list of points that paul makes you'll notice how god's power and transcendence are highlighted god's the only sovereign he rules uh, by virtue of who he is Paul is actually subtle he doesn't write that god is the king of kings uh, but he says he's the king of people who are kings for a time Uh, and likewise with people who exercise lordship they're lords but only for a time because no one has authority in themselves they only have it on loan from god now if that's the ultimate reality if god the only god stands infinitely above all other power if he utterly transcends all potential challenge such that it's absurd even to speak of challenge to god itself how does that change things for us how do we view opposition to uh, christian ministry and living in light of that i think surely it means that we have nothing to fear Uh, to be sure we need the spirit to make us confident in this truth but the foundation is there the bedrock of that belief is there god is in control Uh, do you know that exchange Uh, between Pilate and Jesus toward the end of John's Gospel. It's one of my favourite interactions between Jesus and someone else. Now listen to this snippet. Pilate asked Jesus, Where do you come from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate asked. Don't you realise I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me unless it were not given to you from above Uh, before christianity was officially tolerated by the roman empire in the fourth century uh, the north african churches uh, suffered some of the worst persecution here are some brief excerpts from a, a particular trial in a city outside modern day or within modern day tunisia under questioning and pressure by the magistrates to compromise their faith one christian said i don't acknowledge the authority of this world but i rather serve that god whom no one has seen or can see with these eyes another uh, we have no other to fear but the lord our god who is in heaven another honor to caesar as caesar but fear to god another i am a christian what i am is exactly what i want to be Finally, in response to the announcement that they would be uh, executed by decapitation, uh, we offer thanks to God. Today we are martyrs in heaven. Thanks be to God. Uh, Doesn't this sound like crazy talk? Well, not to those who know and hope in God our Saviour. These particular martyrs knew this passage. They're quoting it. Of course, the the likelihood of anyone in this room or listening to this uh, sermon being martyred is drastically low but every christian needs to be prepared up to and including uh, the point uh, of being martyred for their faith and not to be glib but if you uh, were to take me to say nigeria or parts of north africa and ask me to preach the sermon they would know exactly what i'm talking about in this passage and i would be immensely humbled by their dependence and profound trust in almighty god and jesus our hope One of the favourite words of the Puritans was uh, consolation. Here is consolation, a strong God, our rock, our fortress, our refuge, and our salvation, as we heard from the psalm. That's why we join with Paul in saying, uh, Yes, Father, to you belongs honour and might forever. Amen. Eternal life uh, really puts our struggles in perspective Uh, finally and much more briefly wealth Uh, just as earthly struggle is relativized by eternity so to our earthly possessions as andrew said last week we exist between two moments of empty-handedness but what to do when our hands are full paul states the principle in verse 19 there we use our wealth to treasure up a foundation for the age to come. Uh, Far from wealth being a hindrance to eternal life, uh, for some believers it might be a big part of what faithfulness to Jesus looks like. And just as Timothy was to take hold or seize eternal life uh, with both hands, so too are the wealthy. And so the wealthy, uh, which is most of us to a greater or lesser extent, uh, to use their wealth, For the gospel Uh, we are verse 18 to do good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share Uh, which isn't to say that wealth is purely instrumental in fact god explicitly gives us uh, good things to enjoy Uh, look at verse 17 god richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment Uh, so we receive the good gifts with thanksgiving Uh, even as we also use our gifts to bless and adorn the ministry of the gospel. And I suppose the proper test for how we use our wealth uh, is our attitude and where our hope lies. Uh, Look at verse 17 again. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, uh, but to put their hope in God. So uh, humility hopefulness a generosity that's the godly posture of the wealthy christian a posture informed uh, by the reality of eternal life and a gospel vision of god at the beginning of this series andrew introduced the idea of a a plumb line and suggested that we all have one uh, a way of measuring our life and the world based on a center of gravity I would suggest that 1 Timothy invites us to centre our life in God our Saviour and Christ Jesus our hope. Uh, So let me conclude this series with another image um, or a word, uh, eternity. It's that uh, iconic word that uh, Arthur Stace, the alcoholic turned Christian evangelist, uh, scrawled all over the pavements of Sydney for 35 years. As people who believe in Jesus, we've got nothing to fear in eternity. Indeed, we long for it and wait for it i think the challenge rather is to let eternity shape how we live now and so i'm going to pray that god might enable us to do that let us pray almighty god uh, you are our savior and our hope is in you and not in ourselves we recognize lord uh, that we are weak and needy and we recognize also that you more than need our Our neediness and our weakness please give us confidence uh, to live lives full of joy um, and bravery for Jesus and please also Lord help us to view um, all that we have in light of the eternal life that is ours in the Lord Jesus we thank you father that we can be confident and that we can live wisely and that you will equip us to do so for Jesus sake amen